Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Are we all living in a projection that's based on the give and take of information? Can there be a theory of everything? And what are the implications for paranormal experiences? Uh, Ben's tied up in the producer thing, so I'll continue. Welcome to the 932nd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Coming to you from WOON AM and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live, on YouTube and via TuneIn.com. Those phantom questions have to do with our guests whom we have not been able to reach, so we will keep them in mind, but uh, while we try and uh, reach him, we will uh, continue uh, with um, what we always have uh, time for, open lines. Uh, um, We're backed up months if not years in some of our uh, correspondence here and uh, messages and emails. So let's uh, <clears throat> uh, introduce the guest in case we do manage to contact him and then we'll continue with open lines if we can. Uh, Thomas Campbell is a physicist, consciousness researcher, author of the My Big Toe, that's T-O-E for Theory of Everything, I see what he did there, an international lecturer. He describes the nature of our larger reality, <clears throat> Excuse me. provides a complete theory of consciousness, and explains our purpose and connection to that larger reality. Along the way, Campbell derives a more fundamental science that directly answers the most pressing problems and paradoxes of modern physics. Uh, in December, I attended an online lecture that Tom did for the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute, a group Ben and I are involved with, and I was very impressed with his work and theories. So uh, should we be able to contact him? Uh, if we can't, we'll reschedule him for another day. So let's get to, um, in the meantime, some of our uh, correspondence here and see what uh, what we can come up with. Sure thing. So, Ben, if you would take the first one from Doug in Texas. Yes, and uh, Doug writes to us, how does karma figure into the multiverse? I think that the uh, abusive part about God is what drives most people away from Christianity and faith in general. Well, interesting concepts there. I mean, karma is essentially, as I understand it, uh, you sow what you reap. I should say you reap. That, that's backwards. It is. You, you reap, you it's, reap what you sow. It's like if Yoda, Yoda was a yogi. Exactly. Don't confuse me any further. <laughs> So, you know, in other words, if you are, uh, if you do bad things to people, um, they won't necessarily get, you know, like the universe will kind of, uh, what you send out comes back to you. I happen to be a big believer in that. I mean, you, you could, it's been Christianized, it's been Judaized in many ways. Uh, by various theologies so people can relate to it themselves. But I think the basic principle is is there. I think there's a certain justice, I guess, if you want to call it that, uh, in in the, the universe. And, uh, you know, you um, they kind of balance those things out. Uh, look what happened to some of the worst people in history. I mean, it, it was not a good outcome. You know, Stalin, Hitler, etc. So uh, I think that... Uh, Karma, if you want to call it that, or whatever term you want to use, is absolutely absolutely legitimate. As far as God being abusive, uh, I think that's more religions teaching that God is abusive. Um, we've talked about this many times on this show, like why do bad things happen? 
and you know the goldfish dies and you love the goldfish therefore you hate god because you know it's, it's, it was unjust i mean for heaven's sake there is um there are all sorts of uh, approaches to that that are not excuses uh and we've talked about that many times on the show now ben you want to get into some of this um you know it's funny i was actually just just uh just you know partaking in um plato's republic which a, a lot of the which the main themes of it are, you know, what is well, at least the first portion, the first dialogue in it, I believe, is Plato's Republic is is a book that was actually meant to be uh, presented orally in ancient Greece. Correct. Which is uh, people don't know. Right. Yes. Uh, in, in in dialogues as, mm, as they right. were. Um, one of the, the the first portion of it is dedicated to justice and what justice is, and it's really interesting um, to listen to because they they bring up a lot of interesting points because you know we we think of justice and it's and it's it's kind of hard for us to kind of put a definition. On it. What what would you say justice is, Dad? Balance. Okay. Yeah. No. Then I, I it's. Because they bring up a really interesting point, which is, you know, who would you want to go hunting? The 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 just man or the hunter, right? You know, who would you want to to be king? You know, someone who's, you know, powerful, blah, 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 or a just man, right? You know, and they, they talk about, you know, what justice is and the implications of it. You know, it's like, you know, a just man takes office um, and he angers all of his friends because he refuses to make you know, special concessions to them. And that's like his whole thing up. Oh, I have to end my my diatribe real fast. Please take over, Father. Okay. Well, uh, one uh, <clears throat> thinks that there is a certain amount of balance. Uh, there's an old story because uh, I'm, I'm a Ben and I are like eighth and tenth generation New Englanders here, and my father was an old swamp Yankee, and he told me the story of how uh, a matter of a go, good old Yankee kind of justice, and where the term talk talk turkey came from. Now that's an old uh, idea, uh, an old saying, but, uh, talking turkey means being honest and being balanced and everything else. And the story he told me was that, um, you know, there were plenty of times when the settlers and the, and the first nations were friendly and they would trade and everything else. And they weren't always fighting. So there was, uh, a Native American and a Yankee who went, uh, in the colonial times who went, uh, sounds like you're starting a joke. Hunting, you know, it's not, well, it, 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 it supposedly actually happened. No, there's no rabbi and priest. A rabbi, a priest, and Indian walk into a bar. Am I going to be able to tell this or what? You sorry. <laughs> I'm so, sorry. And so they, they go hunting, and they, they shot a turkey, and they shot a crow. And uh, the Yankee says, well, um, either you take the crow and I'll take the turkey, or I'll take the turkey and you take the crow. And the native says, why you no talk turkey to me? And supposedly that actually happened, and that's where the, 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 the thing, the saying came from. But the idea is you don't balance um, fairness, justice, whatever you want to call it. And, and uh, I think that that's um, pretty much what, what karma is. And I think if, if you don't treat people justly, the universe will do it for you in many ways. And that, that may be... Uh, Function of the collective unconscious or whatever, and I think it, it embraces the paranormal world as well. So um, th- that's that's the j- the joke, man. although it's joke that's not supposed to have been a joke. No, well, it's not really so much a joke as it is an observation. Well, the the whole the whole point of my of my diatribe was, you know, I was, was going to go into, 
you know, what, what we view justice as, and it seems like the new modern idea of it is karma, right? You know, it's like a, it's like a tangible thing that's like, okay, well, you know, this guy's doing bad stuff now, therefore I know he's, you know, he's, he's gonna get it, you know, in the next life, or whatever. Well, I don't know, I'm not saying that's how it works. Do we have a caller? We do, and oh, okay. it is, uh, and it is Cousin Rick. Who's, oh, on, okay. who's on? Who's on the line? And uh, cousin Rick, hello. Good, good to have you on. Hello. Take you off the bench. Yeah, Rick Eno from uh, California, who's a uh, an honored uh, co-host of ours uh, as often as he can be, and uh, Northern Northern California show reporter. And uh, I guess uh, Nick is going to ch- Rick. Rick is going to change the subject. Nick, Rick is going to change <laughs> the subject. And my name to Nick. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm thinking of Nick Pope, a, a man of many names. So uh, what do you I'll, have for I'll, us, Rick? I could be Nick Pope. I'll take that. That's, that's reputable. I like it. <laughs> hey, you uh, know, we, we keep you reputable here. Well, good morning, first of all. It's great to hear your, my cousin's voice. I love that on Sundays. Oh, that's um, nice. Good morning. I'm going to flip the subject completely with sightings report. Uh, okay. Now, UFO sightings. This is going to yep, tie into uh, a past sighting that I actually had and, and we've seen in the Bay Area. So it's, it's a little, little bit involved, but we'll... I'll, I'll lay it out for you. Um, October 30th, uh, 2021, 8.09 p.m., Concord, uh, uh, California, which is in the Bay Area. Um, two people were sitting out in the, the, the backyard, in their backyard, around a fire pit conversing. One is facing north. The other is facing south. The other is actually looking down the corridor of what is basically the takeoff area for basically all the airports for anyone who's Headed headed north, they're going to fly this route. Um, and typically at eight o'clock, for some reason, there's not a lot of air traffic in those moments around eight o'clock, as I understand it. Um, so they're sitting there, they're conversing. The, the gentleman facing south um, sees a, a bright orange light uh, in the sky. It's lower than the clouds. It's, it's somewhere between five hundred and three thousand feet. Okay, so not incredibly high. And that's not unusual for a plane that's taking off. However, this, this, this one, this, this vehicle appears to be level. So he's watching it, and um, the gentleman facing, um, uh, who's looking at his partner, who's facing north, is kind of just watching his, the, his friend's eyes ogle. And as the object gets closer and closer, it becomes relevant that, uh, that there, in fact, is no wings on the craft. And as it gets closer and starts to go overhead, it's very low now. It's probably somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 feet. As it goes over the head, there's absolutely no sound. There are three lights, um, two bright white lights and one green light, uh, and the object appears to be just a giant cylinder or cigar. And it passes overhead with absolutely zero sound. And... Proceeds northward. Now, um, first of all, the, I got an incredible drawing out of this from the witness, um, which is always to me more important than a, a photograph or, well, a digital photograph or anything, because you're talking about someone's recall and memory and the attention to detail. And most of these people aren't artists, but they can uh, convey a lot about a case through the, the amount of detail they put in a drawing of something they've seen. Why it struck me was a few years ago, I was coming out of my daughter's dance practice with my daughter and my son. We got in the car. We were headed up Route 880, which is that northward direction that would be on the same corridor that uh, this vehicle 
was moving. Uh, so if you're in Concord, it, it, we're basically traveling north. And I see in the windshield, and then my son and daughter saw this giant cylinder uh, going down the high, going literally almost down the highway, um, probably three or four thousand feet in the air, and it's not moving incredibly fast. So I start filming it, and I actually get it on film. So I get it on digital, um, and, um, and I open a case and do the research on it. Um, but basically, the craft that I saw back then matches this description. The difference is I saw it in brighter light. So there were no lights for me to see. There were no two white lights or green lights. But I could see the cylinder clearly. When I uh, taped it, uh, recorded it digitally, <clears throat> the entire time that map, uh, that vehicle came out <clears throat> as a giant orange blur. So yeah. uh, it, it struck me what, what he reported. And what he saw, and I started thinking, okay, there could be a connection here, and I'm going to fill that in in a moment. The next thing is we've had reports around the Bay Area of this cylinder before, uh, before I saw it, after I saw it. I'm sure there's going to be more coming. The difference is this one is really clear because it passed overhead, and he could say he could see the aluminum-like, he called it aluminum uh, structure, which basically is gray or silver metal, and it was just a giant cigar. He got a really good close look. Now, why is this, uh, I'm starting to lead to conclusions. What is important to know about the Bay Area, we have many, many airports here, Oakland, SFO, uh, San Jose, but we have one called Moffitt, which is NASA's research, and that's the uh, research uh, is taking it over. It used to be a military uh, air base. I think it still is, kind of. But the next thing that's important about that is that Lockheed is down the street. So I'm starting to realize that they're not afraid to let people see this thing because it's being seen a lot and clearly. So if this is a covert operation, that would be out in the desert, or you could just fly it straight over the ocean and, you know, take, take a left and go over the ocean. No one would see it, but they're not doing that. They're flying that corridor of California um, somewhere north, and there's a lot of bases up north, so we could go on for hours about that. But the thing that leads me to my latest sort of inference, I guess, is that I think this is what they call as an ARV, alien reproduction vehicle, or or just advanced technology vehicle that's ours, because they're not we're seeing it and it's not hidden and it's not they're not trying to hide it anymore. Eight o'clock at night, people are out, you're gonna see it. Six o'clock when I saw it about that time, right as anything, you're gonna see it. So uh, I don't know if this is just trying to get people used to the fact that there are flying cylinders out there, but it's fascinating to me that they're not doing this at 2 and 3 a.m. only. They're doing it all times of the day now. So mm. that's what I've uh, come to report. Well, thank you. It reminds me of what's happening in uh, southern New Hampshire in the seacoast area, which is a tremendous hotspot. You know, the uh, Betty and Barney Hill Events uh, to 1961 took place there because farther south, Exeter, uh, where we look forward uh, hopefully this year to be doing the Exeter UFO Festival again. And uh, there, people have sent us footage of just such craft uh, floating over you know, I-95 and the, the seacoast area. And it's uh, really uh, all hours of the day and night, broad daylight, some of them, and they look like these cylindrical craft that you describe, Rick. So. Uh, it's not just yeah. Northern California. It seems to be a sort of a thing. Uh, ben, yeah, Paul, do you, yeah. do you think this is sort of like uh, 
uh, let's go. Let's go with the idea that this is uh, this is uh, you know a black project, right? Do you think they're they're kind of easing the public into getting used to seeing these things? Why would they? I don't know. I'm very cynical about this closure, as they call it. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. I mean, like, but it's the thing about it is, if if I were running a black operation, which you know, I'd be like, hey, it's secret. But it's happening over cities and towns and main corridors of highways, and I, I, it just, I'm missing something. Or if it is a black project, why? If it's not a black project, I get it. But then you have the other inference: the aliens don't care. We see them anymore. So there's sort of two sides to this, and I don't know which one to go on. But well, there's another uh, possibility, as we always discuss, uh, if our multiverse ideas are true, that this is a uh, maybe a black project from some parallel reality, but not from ours. You know, it could yeah. be very similar para- parallel reality with uh, similar laws of physics and a United States, a United States government, and black project. Uh, th- because these things do tend to slip in and out. That there, there is another yeah. theory that these these are time travelers or time tourists, whatever time means. I mean, the, the indication is that it's all simultaneous. There really is no past or future. We just experience it that way in our limited, uh, you know, little squirrel minds. So um, hmm. I know that there are all sorts of possibilities, but these things are being seen. Hey, ben, you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, sure. You ever deal with the IRS? Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. Who doesn't? This is going to be good. It's. I. I think. I. I. I had the misfortune, um, you know, in in a support capacity to my to my wife, having to deal with the IRS for a very long time when my mother in law passed away because she didn't pay her taxes for a couple of years, and let me tell you, they are the most disorganized entity in 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 the world. It's like it, it it's anything bureaucratic, you know, it ends up becoming big and bulky and confusing and nobody knows what's going on. No, I've known agencies that are worse than that. That's true, but they're you know, they're bulky, confusing, either nobody cares, nobody wants to care or it's just like you, you know, it's I don't think I I think that if there's a vast conspiracy going on, it it's it's just it's hard. It's hard to hide that kind of stuff unless you have, you know, vast, con- vast agencies that don't know their left from their right, or you know, nobody knows what's going on. And may- maybe there, maybe there is something going on. You know, maybe there are black projects. Maybe it's, you know, ex- extraterrestrials from from outer space or from other, you know, worlds next to ours, physical, non-physical, whatever. It's it's one of those things where. You know, we we ask these questions, and our data point points are are just so so small, right? You know, the the, th- the facts that we do have are okay. There was a craft scene. It was in the air. It was silent. It was seen over a a highway. Lockheed and Martin was nearby, and those are all the facts we have. And it's and that's that's about it. And it's and the the weird thing is, all of these things are observed. You know, we we know objectively something happened. But how the subject in in it, so in, in this case the the person who experienced or saw it, could have perceived it completely differently than a guy in another car over. It's it's we're we're working at a tremendous disadvantage because we're dealing with government entities, you know, other entities that exist, 
and all sorts of entities that may have nothing to do with each other whatsoever. You know, maybe the common ground is nothing at all. Maybe there is no common ground. So we're what we have is four things that we know, and the rest is just kind of what we can kind of piece together with what we have. You know, we're, it's like we're given a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle, and we're given like five pieces, and told, "Okay, here, make a picture," <laughs> and we we don't really have much else to go on. But if I if I had to take a swing and a guess, I would say that we give a lot of people too much credit, and. It's it's not fair to the entities that may exist out there that may not be part of the government, and I think we give the government too much credit by being honest, you know. And it's it's uh, you know when's the last time we trusted anything the government said, right? Which is yeah. never. So excellent point. <laughs> well, right. Rick, before you uh, pick up your binoculars and head for the Golden Gate once again, there's a question for you <laughs> from one of our uh, okay. other guest co-hosts, Peter Shelley in. Bogotá, Yes, and Peter writes to us. Um, Rick, have you ever checked out the Bay Area airship makers aside from Goodyear? Uh, there is an airship maker here. They have not really been active uh, for a while. So they used to have airships flying uh, daily, and you can take a tour on them. That has been hmm. closed down. Uh, it's been a number of years. I think it's been over eight years now that they've actually not been doing flights. I might be a little off in the time setting, but yeah, there were some. Um, there were some, but uh, that kind of didn't make it as far as a commercial venue for for people to travel on. I guess just a lot of people weren't interested. But there is a hangar. There's several hangars that they uh, they can fly out of, and I believe the ships are still there. But I don't know if the, I don't know what their purpose is now. Oh well. <laughs> That's an important question in the context. But uh, they probably didn't yeah. fly uh, metal cylinders around, right? Yeah, that's the thing about these reports. It, it, it's always the same thing. It's a very large, slow-moving slow metal cylinder that can accelerate. Some people say if they've watched it, they've had it accelerate. But um, the, times I, the time I saw it, it was clearly a cylinder um, just chugging along. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's a good, that's, good question. Yeah, pretty amazing. Okay, well, everybody, uh, stay tuned for uh, our some of our shows in the spring, Open Lines, and Rick will be co-hosting with us, and it always makes for an interesting time. Rick, love to the family, and thanks for calling in. All right, thanks, cousin. Talk to you soon. Okay. Yes. Uh, who's Bye-bye. next there? I know we've got our break coming up, but who's, who's next? next there? Um, we have uh, Marie from Lincoln, Rhode Island, here in our listening area. And uh, her question is, um, I think your question about... If reincarnation is true, why are there so many ghosts? It's so obvious that I can't believe other quote-unquote experts are not saying it. Uh, why do I get the, the impression that not enough intelligent people are working on paranormal questions? Well, <laughs> there are plenty of intelligent people, Marie, who are working on it that we know some through this uh, Consciousness and Contact Research Institute we referred to in the uh, bio for Tom Campbell, but... Um, I, I'm still struck, and I don't know what Ben has to say about this, but I'm still struck by how how they accept, in many cases, the the old assumptions about dead people and spirits, you know. And, and th- these are eminent physicists in some cases, and they still talk about you know, the spirit world and this sort of thing. And not not all, but some are kind of a more progressive. Uh, meaning no political uh, implications there. Mm. Uh, but um, it, it, I don't know if it's a lack of intelligence or a lack of vision. I think uh, people can be intelligent but have no vision. 
Uh, what, what say you, Ben? Um, well, I mean, we, we do have a break coming up in a second, yeah. uh, so I don't want to give a long-winded answer before that, so we can go to a break and take it when we get back. Let's do that. Okay, you are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON, 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful and chilly Blackstone River Valley. And we'll be right back with our impromptu open line show today, so stick with us. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade, the finest in late-night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnye.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? Local and live at 99.5 FM. Okay, and welcome back to Behind the Paranormal on WON AM and FM Radio and on the TalkStream Live app and a bunch of other stuff. TuneIn.com, you can listen live. I, hope you, I certainly hope you are. Uh, go ahead, Ben, and uh, you were going to take uh, that answer a bit further about... Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, I, I guess um, uh, well, we'll repeat the question, um, which is why do I get the impression that not enough intelligent people... Uh, are working on paranormal questions, and I, I think that's that's a discredit to a lot of people that are that are working in in the field. Um, you know, like any any field, right? You know, any field of study. There's always going to be assumptions that people have, um, and unfortunately, it's uh, we're we're in a field where there's not a lot of. Um, well, I guess there, I guess there sort of, there sort of is like a peer review process, but the basic scientific process just it doesn't really fit. In, into into it. Um, yeah, well, the peer review depends on the peers. Right, exactly. And it, and for 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 us, you know, uh, weirdly, we have we have a lot of advantages for that. We don't live in an echo chamber, which is good. Um, in some cases, you know, you do have a variety of different opinions on different things, um, both supported by by different groups and different people. Um, so you do get a, a wide variety of opinions, but a lot of times. Um, I think that the, the the reason that that people land in sort of the spiritualism when you get to and and you know is is kind of based on on how knowledge is is disseminated and how one knows things nowadays, right? So you know, right? Yeah. So I guess I guess really it is it is sort of epistemology at the end of the day, which it's it's based a lot on assumptions that were garnered through the Enlightenment, right? So, you know, you have, you know, strict materialists, right, you know, spirit's not a thing, everything's matter, you know, whatever, we can break it down to its parts and analyze it, and then you have the swing of the pendulum in the opposite direction where it's like, well, matter doesn't matter at all, and, um, you know... you did there, matter doesn't matter. Exactly, you know, sometimes, you know, gotta keep up, um... But it's it's uh you know matter doesn't matter at all you know it's all about spirit and you know they go almost become neoplatonists and and basically think well you know my body is just a, a meat machine and it's driven by a little spirit on the inside of me that controls everything right and and so you you sort of have this this dual existence that you're kind of forced to live um in in the modern world which is you know you either swing one way or the other and I think when you're when you're in in such a such a line of of work. You know, because um, you know we 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 live in such a, a time now where you know materialism is such a thing. You know, pardon the pun. Um, and it's it's 
it, it's everywhere, right? You know, and then you have the complete opposite side of the spectrum, and there's no sort of marrying of the two, like you had prior to the Enlightenment. But you know, it's it, and you know our our good buddy over there, Rene Descartes and and hmm. Hegel and all those guys, you know, coming out with all these ideas in in Western Europe, and it, it just it, it wasn't a thing anywhere else. Eighteenth and nineteenth century philosophers, right? And you know, they they have their points where you know I'll, I'll give them credit; they do say some good stuff. You know, I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna set up a straw man and say, oh well, everything they said was wrong because unfortunately, you know, some stuff they said is is pretty right. You know, and and I think Rene Descartes kind of sort of half hit the nail on the head he kind of like hit it on the side and was like well you know we can't really you can't really prove a lot of things are happening you know but then he came down to you know i think therefore i am and you know which he thought was like sort of the the common denominator for existence which it's like you know you can't really prove that you're thinking because how do we know that we're thinking and and so you know that's kind of the argument against that anyway and digress so you know the so we're all working with with a basic sort of assumption that, you know, okay, well, these are spirits of dead people. And that's what it's been for, geez, what, like 100 years? And, and it's... Oh, a lot more than that. A lot more than that. Yeah. It's, it's dead people. And that's what, that's what we're dealing with, and that's what it is. And, and it's like, trying to go against that's really hard. You know, sure, granted, you have people that are like, okay, well, we have physics now, and we have all these you know, amazing devices that can... Tell us more about dead people. <laughs> and, and it's like, well, you know, maybe it's not dead people. But, you know, I have to, I have to kind of take a step back from that and say, well, how do, how do we know it's not dead people? Well, that's true. We, we don't either. But some of the most, you know, one of the things I don't like about the, what they're generally known as the elites today is they look down on other people. I, I, I have rubbed elbows with the salt of the earth. Uh, all the way up to some of the finest minds, uh, supposedly in academia, uh, over the course of a long life. And one of the most intelligent people I have ever spoken was a truck driver in the 1970s who read every chance he got and never been to college, wasn't the most articulate guy in the world, although he was for having the reading that he did. Uh, but, you know, do not underestimate people. Do not look down on people intellectually because some of the greatest wisdom uh, I've heard from ordinary workaday people who would not be taken seriously by those who rule us, essentially. Anyway, I think that, that that's a mistake. Uh, so I think that being said, we have to realize that all our thought patterns and, and, and our, and our, th- our uh, concepts are pretty much based on those who went before us, the people um, the Ben just described. And certainly the Romans and the Greeks uh, before, and then uh, coming uh, up into the modern age. Um, and then they've even influenced the thinking of people from the Orient, too. Uh, there is some Oriental philosophy that's come in, I think, in the uh, very often in the form of uh, New Age thinking today. But we, we really do, are, we really are the inheritors of the thinkers who went before us, and we just assume that what they said was correct, even if we don't know their names, mm. you know, about dead people and all this sort of thing. And so the, the whole question that Marie asks about, uh, the, the whole point she makes, you know, why are there so many, if reincarnation is true, why are there so many ghosts? And you have to define what, what you mean by reincarnation and what you mean by ghosts. But I think it, it's it's a sort of a tongue-in-cheek, but a very valid point. Well, the last thing I'll, I'll say before we, we, we get to our, our caller 
um, our mystery caller, mystery caller. is, uh, is, you know, we, I think the way that we talk about the paranormal, we're you're sitting in a lab and you can repeat something and you're given all these variables and you can figure out what the variables are. It doesn't function like that. It functions more like more of an existential exercise. And I, I think the pro- that word again. Yes. Well, we're using existential in the sense that it's a part of how we live. And you can't approach it like, you know, like you're in a lab trying to figure out, okay, well, how can I separate the molecules from it? Because that's just not how it functions. And how how we deal with it is on an everyday basis, and it's how we live. It's not about you know, um, okay, well, how can I talk to this ghost with a box? It's <laughs> you know, you're living your everyday life. And maybe they do. I don't know. I, mean, I just maybe think you it's do. Ridiculous. But here's the thing: even if you're talking to something through a box, you're talking with something. You're having an interaction. That's not a science. This right. is this is this is a communication. It's a it's a life. It's an existence. That's what it is. It's not a science, and I don't I don't think it should be approached as such. Because if you're doing that, you're putting yourself at a tremendous disadvantage because you're limiting your scope so much. Yeah. Well, let, let's get our caller in here, mystery caller. It is welcome to Band the Paranormal on WOON Radio. I was joking. It's not a mystery caller. It's Donna Philly. Oh, Donna. Okay. Well, hi, Donna. Uh, for those who don't know hi. Donna, Donna is uh, many things. Uh, along with uh, having worked with her on a case since 2005, we found out we're distant cousins. And uh, she is from the, uh, the really the center of the Litchfield Triangle in Connecticut, and uh, we use her last name, which we usually don't do because she's uh, she's all over a book that was written about it. Oh, geez, I'm so sorry. Oh no, no, no! Everybody knows Donna. Oh, okay. Show, show report. She's been <laughs> on the show many times, and we're, we're very you pleased find to me have anywhere. Her. Trust me. <laughs> That's right, Donna. How's it going, kid? Oh, it's going pretty good. We're hanging in there. How's it there? Going good? Well, uh, if you can put on your ice skates, you can get around better. Mm. But, um, yes, too. So uh, we were going to introduce you uh, to someone. I don't want to do it on the air, but uh, someone in your area who is. We generally have uh, our spy network around there. And Donna is, of course, uh, that she was the first and the original and uh, our good friend uh, from the beginning. And uh, we we have other reporters in the area who don't know each other. Uh, but I think it's time to start bringing people together, and you can compare notes and that sort of thing. We have never managed to have a neighborhood meeting in in that. No, we haven't, and I've been looking for venues, and I don't know how the last one worked out. I had mentioned, um, you know, they, they I'll, I'll get back to you on Messenger about that or whatever, but, um, yeah, I know, and, and they've had a few, and they were well attended, and for some reason... I don't know what it is. Maybe there's just the uh, hands of fate or something. Don't don't want that going on because when I tried to get back on to get the phone number, my laptop just like crashed out on me. Oh, weird. And I couldn't. Yeah, and I couldn't. And I had to you know restart it and restart it. And it, it's like oh Jesus, but that happens a lot. Well, in the um, uh, Pennsylvania Triangle, we we have you know before COVID, it, we, we were having neighborhood meetings every year. I mean, restaurants would, would welcome us, and we. Uh, have 30, 35 people and everybody had their Bigfoot and UFO sightings and we, we'd uh, do on camera interviews. But in your area, 
it's 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 really impossible. I, mean, I I even called the American Legion, and I, and I belong really? to the American Legion, and I couldn't get. Yeah, you know what it's like. It's like the best kept secret because everybody yeah. knows and everybody talks about it amongst themselves. But when you try to get people together, I don't know if they just don't want to talk about it or they don't want the attention i don't know what the problem is but well, it's not you know just... like like i've to, like i've told you before i mean our whole neighborhood here you get talking with the neighbors and it's like yeah. oh yeah we had that last night or and it's just such a calm thing it's just normal and it's expected yeah well th- this is the you area know? where we, we've talked about it on the air many times where the uh military or apparent military activity was happening about um 2009 2010 uh, and people were running into troops that told them they couldn't go to certain places and that sort of thing and uh, that sort of thing. So we've talked about that many times. But what what uh, does seem to be really strange is that every time we try and do something, you know, and Donna, you, you've been involved in some of this when producers have shown up and and uh, yep. this sort of thing, and that was in 2010, one of those things. And it just was uh, something stomps on it. Something comes in from a third party comes in, and stomps on so so there's never been at least not with us any production that, that has made it past the well it almost board. seems it almost seems like you are like delving into things that a lot of other people don't and there's you know what i mean it gets out yes. i don't know maybe my son my son lives over he's in connecticut but he, he's over by the new york border and they have a hot tub in their backyard and it's it's just completely there's no you know light in the sky or anything, they're out in the middle of nowhere, and he, he just, he's constantly telling me, he says, I, that these helicopters, it, it's almost like they have changed their pattern, and they don't go over populated areas anymore, because people were starting to wonder, I mean, it was on our local, you know, like the chat sites and everything, yeah, and, oh my yeah. God, did you see, the, so they're, they're going that way, but he said, you know, when he sits out there, he's, they, they go over a tree trap top, and he says, they're so low, it's like, you can see the rivets in the helicopters. And he said they're all unmarked, they're all black, and he said they go at a specific time over toward, you know, the farm. Yeah. And he, he the said funny it's farm, just, he as said, we call it. Yeah, it's, he said it's just like clockwork, and he said they're so low that you, you really think they're going to, like, hit the house. or the, They're literally touching the treetops. And he sits there and he watches them, and he said it's just, you could set your watch by them, you know? I said, did you ever get a video? <laughs> we would like that, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. And he sees... You're like he us. sees uh, yeah, he sees uh, UFOs and things, and I mean, you know, he's a registered nurse. He's no nonsense, and and he says, no, they just they're out there. You you can see them, you know. So it's like, well, you know, you got to get your, you know, everybody has technology today, and I keep telling him you got to get out there. You got to get out there and get some videos, you know. But he's he took some pictures in his yard, and he had like giant orbs and you know all kind of blue orbs, and you know you could see that they were in front of a tree, then they moved, and he was standing in the same spot and. So it, it just seems to be the whole, and he's in Litchfield County, you know, so yeah. it, it's one of those things where, you know, people are reporting things, but they don't, it, they don't go public with it. It's like, well, guess what I saw, you know, or even the, even the haunting, the general haunting thing, it's up and down. So, oh, we had that, oh, we couldn't sleep all night, you know. And yeah. So well, it's, it's one, yeah. Well, I, I, I just ought to point out that there are things we, we talk about and things that are online. Uh, the whole Ashwar story that we've told many times, uh, that was, right. uh, that was from Donna's family. And in 2010, we got that really weird, 
uh, infrared uh, creature like kind of coming down out of the tree. That was in Donna's front yard. So <laughs> that's available online. Yeah, well, they, so. It was, uh, it followed, it followed my grandson for quite a while. Yeah. And, uh, they moved and it, it followed them there. And then they had just like this, my daughter tried to get rid of it. She realized, she said, no, enough, enough, you know. And it was just a little rental house they had. And it ended up with a whole pile of like serious poltergeist activity and yeah. then it was gone. It yeah, was well, it turned like, out to be a parasite. Yeah, she challenged it, and I mean, she challenged it, and she just had enough of it. And, I mean, in the bathroom, um, the tub was parallel to the wall where the sink was, and she had a big Victorian mirror, and the thing just, like, flew off the wall, and it almost hit them, and, you know, just all kinds of stuff was going on, and then it was just empty. That was it. Yeah. And it was almost like, you know, as long as you can let this go on, and, you know, I'm just going to stay here and, and everything, and... and the name hasn't been mentioned in the house since anywhere, you know. Good, yeah. And, well, we had, uh, we had, yeah, it wasn't going to go easy. Let's put it that way. Yeah, they never do. We had no. uh, weird mirror mirror phenomena in your house. Remember that time? Uh, we yeah, we got it on uh, got it on camera and everything else. So we have a lot of that now. I mean, the, in the winter time, uh, the poltergeist activity. You know, like we'll be sitting in the living room and the trash the trash thing in the kitchen just goes flying across the floor and. You know, someone goes by and just whacks a cup off the counter and, you know, the bangs, the crashes, and me with the bed hopping, you know, three different beds, you know, in the course of a week because I just leave them alone and get my stuff and leave. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's quiets down, it picks up, and this winter's been pretty active. Um, maybe just because we're in the house more and we notice it more because we're here. Um, that could be. The darn COVID thing, I mean, we need to get over uh, more than we, we have been. Uh, ben and I have slept. Uh, there on one occasion, I've slept there on several occasions, and um, nothing has ever happened when we've been there. But that—that's normal. Uh, yeah, it comes and it goes, and, and yeah. uh, you know, people will go, "Well, gee, nothing's going on." Well, they leave it five five minutes later. Yeah. You know, it's it starts up. You know, but you know the the activity with the physical activity. You know, we've had. Well, you know what we had, and I I was in the the I had a weird experience. You know, you're talking about like reincarnation and things with you know last caller. And um, we we had lost our dog last um, April, mm. and she was 20, 20 years old. Wow. And um, just this past winter, I was in bed one night, and I went to roll over, and there was something on my chest. And I kind of flipped my arm over without thinking I was half asleep. And I had my head up high on a pillow, and I looked down, and my dog was on my chest. And she was underneath the blanket, and I couldn't feel her body. Uh, just her front paws, and she, her eyes were, I, I, the, the windows at the foot of the bed, and I saw these ears sticking up, and I'm like, what, you know how your mind takes a minute? Yep. And she was staring intently into my eyes with this, those big dark eyes, and she looked at me and looked at me, and I was able to run my hand up under her ear, under her jaw, down her, you know, back to the, to where the blanket was, and she, she looked at me, and then she took her face, she rubbed it like she used to all up the left side of my cheek and down again. And she loved with force on my face. And then she drew her head back and she looked at me and the blanket just dropped like in a, like a magician when they put somebody under a blanket. And I got up in the morning and I was so emotional. I was like in tears. And, my, you know, Bob, he's like, well, uh, <laughs> you know. But then a week later, she was on his shoulder during the night with her face against him. Oh. So it was like such an emotional, I mean, 
she was there. I mean, you know me with all my experiences. She had for in fact, I got up and I checked my, you know, my bedclothes for, you know, dog hair and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it just she just dropped like a like a magician. Like you put somebody under a sheet and you wave a wand and boom, it just drops to the floor. So you know, I mean, it's just it's just very strange how things happen. Well, the thing is, with, with your situation, you are such wonderful, positive, loving people. Your house is full of love. We have never had any major concerns for you, uh, no. despite despite the paranormal circus that has surrounded you most of uh, you down all your life, pretty much, because you grew up in that house. Right, um, right. So, and that, that's a perfect example of what we're always saying on the air of. You know, we call the Peter Pan theory, you know, think happy thoughts, surround yourself with love, family, positive things. And even if the stuff is going on around you, uh, parasites are not going to attack because there's no food no. to be had. You know, no, that's what it is. You know, I mean, everybody gets upset or mad about oh, something. Sure. You watch the news and you're, <laughs> you watch yeah. the news and you're going through the roof. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, generally speaking, you know, it's a quiet household. Everybody's positive, you know, and, and, uh, Things like that, and you know, you were talking about the uh, the EVPs or whatever they are, and you know, that's like a part time hobby of mine now because there's so much going on in here. Oh yeah. And I'll tell you another quick story. You probably got to get going, but that's all right. Um, last year, I I had been just messing around at night, and I don't say anything or ask questions. I just listen, and it comes through. It comes through. So this guy comes on, and he says, "He, I have no idea because there's a million. It could be anywhere from back then, now, whenever, in the future. You know." And um, he comes on and he says, um, fire, a fire in the attic. So, and I don't listen to each one. I, I record like 10 of them and then I go back and I review. So then, you know, the next day he comes on and he goes, Pamplin. And I'm like, well, what's Pamplin? You know, I didn't know they were related or anything. So then he comes on and he starts talking about how um, he didn't get out. I, I didn't get out. I didn't make it out. So I got curious and I looked up Pamplin. And... It was in Virginia, and there was a house fire, and there was a fire in the attic, and this guy and his twin daughter didn't get out. So I hadn't been on Facebook. I don't check people's pages, and I went on, and everybody's going, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What a tragedy. It was a guy that grew up in the neighborhood here, his granddaughter's husband and one of the twin girls, and it was just so weird because... He, he like was telling me what was going, what had gone on, you know. And then he came on and he gave me the name of the daughter that died. And I still didn't ask any questions because I don't, you don't know what's on there, you know. Yeah. But I just, it was interesting to me, you know, and, and I've been getting this. Yeah, and I've been getting this. I've been, had a lot of things confirmed that I wasn't even asking for. But my, um, I've been getting a lot of these scents and it's like, you know, vanilla, like, and it wakes me up. It's so like somebody's waving a heavily scented vanilla candle under my nose. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of weeks ago, I woke up and there was a woman in my right ear, and she goes, um, "Good morning, Donna." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Hello, right?" And then the next morning, I woke up in the same ear, and a guy said, "Are you okay?" He goes, "Are you awake?" So I I sat up on you know, like one elbow, and I'm. Looking down the hall, there's no lights on. I get up, come down, bobs out like a light. And so, you know, this this is just the, the bizarre, strange, weird, twisted, you know, nothing matches. Everything is just random. That's your world. But these are, yeah, it's just, it's crazy, you know, but. Well, we, we always, about, um, yeah, there's sort of a, a, the nexus of a whole bunch of worlds. 
And what, what did yeah, they're uh, just the, talking, you yeah. know, or whatever. And Lorraine Warren, of all people, uh, came to your house years ago and called it Ghost Central. Yeah, she did. And you know what? She was pretty dead on the money. She she went from room to room, and she actually knew, like, where we had made a bathroom that was my aunt's bedroom. Mm-hmm. And she said, "This this is different." She said, "This this was never a bathroom." And she went into the kitchen, and she said, "Well." No, this wasn't a ki- always a kitchen, and, and she got, like, confused because we had moved the rooms around. Yeah. So it was kind of weird, you know. And, she was and, pretty um, good that way. Yeah, she was. Yeah. You know, she, um, I wasn't really into the demonology thing, you know, but they were nice people to us, and they came, and they, they were interesting. I enjoyed them. I enjoyed oh, meeting yeah. them and everything. Yeah, they were interesting. You know? I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, there were, <laughs> there were many good things about them, I must say. I have a lot of happy memories. But uh, in any case, uh, we're thinking of a, uh, instead of uh, trying to get a place to meet physically, uh, doing a Zoom call. We, we've talked about this before, and if we could right. kind of get on that and spread the word, uh, it would be, you know, way overdue. Right, At least right. it would be something, you know, and, and we could make a presentation uh, about what, you know, other people could do the same. So let's talk about that off the air. Okay. Okay, great. That sounds good to me. Love to Bob and, and everybody, let, and uh, keep up the great work. I will. Let me know when you want me to, you know, introduce me to uh, the other person up in this area. Oh, very good. Yeah, his name is Phil, and uh, I okay. think he might know about you already. We'll, I'll put you together uh, online. Okay, that sounds great. Okay. Great, Donna. Thanks you for calling good, in. But, it's always good to talk to uh, you. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye, bye Donna. Okay. Ben, you couldn't get a word in edgewise there. Oh, no, it's okay. Donna, I feel, I feel bad. Donna has so much going on that it's like, just let her, you know, she, she has stuff to report on, let her, let her do it. Oh, absolutely. She's very articulate. That was, that was one of your two first cases. Mm, baby's second case. Yeah. Yeah. What a fun time. Uh, we have pictures of you at the age of 13 with our first video camera. And we had no clue how to People use it. People say, aww. You know, yeah, but it was, was so cute. But if you saw the video, you wouldn't say, aww. You'd probably uh, get dizzy and feel nauseous. Well, yeah, it was kind of uh, Blair Witch Project, um, you know, uh, cinematography. Yes, from a, from a young gravity. age, I was a gifted cinematographer. Yeah, so that's why you wanted the sound design. Yes. Well. Yeah, so, anyway, there we go. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, do we have time for maybe what's the last question? <laughs> the last question. Oh man, I don't think we can answer this in five minutes. All right. Um, if you'd like, I can introduce it. Well, why don't you introduce it? Maybe we'll put it on the next open line. Yeah, we say that. Oh, well, you know what? We do say that, and we do actually get to it. Um, but the way we're going with guests, it might be next week. Who? Well, hey, you know, it's uh, time is irrelevant. Anyway, well, kind of. Uh, Gary from Windsor, Ontario, writes. Um, what did ancient people believe about ghosts and aliens? Oh, gosh. Uh, he also says he loved the show, and he listened to us when we were on CBS. Uh, probably listened to us from... Uh, from from uh, Detroit, where yeah. we were across the river, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, well, um, thank you, Gary. Uh, I think we will leave that for next time. Yeah. However, uh, suffice it to say that the ancients' beliefs were really very similar to the, to the basic beliefs that people have today, but at the same time, they were very complicated. There was a whole realm of demons and the word demon didn't mean the same thing to them as it did to us necessarily uh there were larvae which we think of as insect babies but uh, they were the, the sort of negative spirits that people would turn into if they were mean and nasty but they still had the idea that we have today that once you were born you kind of remain you after death although the, although it was a little bit of a 
question about today we think we you remain you forever that that's just assumed and that there's no basis for that i don't think uh particularly with um the notion of non-locality uh, in physics of consciousness and all that sort of stuff so we can get into that later but it was very very complicated so let's uh, go to our announcements ben and uh call it a show yes 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 uh and i guess we can start off with um, well, I have the first one. You do. Would okay. You go for it. We look forward to the New England Parafest in Kittery, Maine, which runs from April 10th to 26th, 2022. We'll provide more information as these dates approach. And I must add that uh, I got a call from the organizer of that who announced that the Dover Demon is back. Mm. Dover, Massachusetts. We're probably right at the edge of our listing area here. And we may be going out there to check that out. That That's a case from the 70s. Uh, Lauren Coleman re- uh, led the investigation on that, and we'll we'll see what we can find out there. Yes, it's like a, like a reunion tour. Um, <laughs> anyway, so you can visit our show website behindtheparanormal.com, where you can find out uh, find over 1,000 hours of our regular shows, including special broadcasts uh, since 2008 from uh, our CBS radio, uh, Chief Radio, and here on WON AM and FM, including. Um, those that have been restored in the archives at BehindTheParanormal.com. And you can also hear us uh, uh, on many, many different podcast platforms um, if you weren't able to listen to the live show. That includes um, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you will find us. And download our show app. It's uh, pretty bare bones, but what do you want for nothing? And browse our books uh, along with those of our guest co-hosts at our show website, as Ben just said, BehindTheParanormal.com. And you can also find out more about us, uh, our many cases over the years, our public appearances, and how to book us. And there are over uh, a thousand hours of shows that are free uh, in the archives there. Yes, and uh, our website also has a charity page um, with uh, links to several good causes we have adopted over the years, including uh, Hope for Hilldale Cemetery in Haverhill, Massachusetts, USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, uh, Helping Haiti's Orphans, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, the Sisterhood of Ground Zero, and most recently, the Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund. So what's on the runway for next week, Ben? Well, on uh, February 13th, uh, we will welcome back our good friend UFO researcher, uh, Dr. Irina Scott, uh, for a look beyond what's generally known about the Pascagoula, Mississippi UFO abductions um, of 1973. And there are a lot, there's a lot that people don't realize that was going out at the same time. Irina's really got it down. And again, we're, we're very sorry we, our guest was unable to connect with us today, uh, Thomas Campbell. We will see uh, what happened and see if we can reschedule him. Yes. But in any case, uh, we leave you today with a thought from 18th century English author Samuel Johnson. Quote, great deeds are not performed by strength, but by perseverance. Pretty cool. Mm. All right. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.